Weird times, creepy crimes, and unexplained phenomenon. If it's weird and it's in Florida, it's on the SoFlo Weird Show. Here's your host and head weirdo, Mia Lorenzo. Welcome, weirdos. Thanks for joining me. Or actually, thanks for joining us, because I'm joined today with Michelle McArdle, part of our SoFlo Weird Street team, because we hit the streets of Tampa. And Michelle, I just wanted to recap our trip. We saw some great sights. My impression was we could have stayed longer and seen more, but we kind of planted our, ourselves right around Ybor City, and we saw it quite a bit. So what was one of your favorite places that we visited? I think one of my favorite places, well, there's a few. I really enjoyed eating out at Ulele. It's a Native American-themed restaurant, and it centers around this figure, Ulele, who's kind of like Florida's version of Pocahontas. She was a really interesting character, and there's all these beautiful sculptures of her outside. The restaurant's kind of like on the waterfront there, and there's uh, ones with her reaching out, and she's standing over a pit of fire. And I believe that's probably an allusion to the story, because the way that it goes is that she was the daughter of the local Tokabaga chief, and she pleaded for mercy for Juan Ortiz, which was this Spanish sailor who got separated from his shipments. The chief decided that he was to be put to death and tried to basically burn him, and she threw herself over Ortiz and... Several times the chief was like, okay, this guy's got to go. And she basically intervened every single time. I think there's one account where she even snuck him off to a, a different city. But I really just appreciated the story and the food was amazing. And I thought it was kind of funny because when we went to the Columbia restaurant later, we found out that it was owned by the same family. So this family, I guess what they do is they just find like all the local history and they kind of honor it. There was another restaurant there, a Sicilian restaurant. Oh, that was my favorite. Santo Stefano, that was it. And we're Sicilian. So <laughs> it it was just like perfect. There's so much authenticity in the food that they're serving. And they really look at getting ingredients locally. Yeah. Like I know at the Columbia they were saying that you know, they buy their bread for their Cuban sandwiches from the local bakery down the street. So, you know, there's no better way, I think, to celebrate culture than to gather around the table and have a meal and have that culture's meal and, and drink and break bread. And the Gonsmarts, they seem to just be able to do that and tell that history through sitting around a table and immersing yourself in that culture, which was really cool. The Gonsmart is part of the family of Columbia because we interviewed the great granddaughter of the Columbia, which Andrea. We, yes, Andrea, which we are going to hear from soon. She gave us a wonderful walkthrough. I got to tell you, knowing that this is the oldest Spanish restaurant, I think, in America. Yes, if not the world. Um, it's the, the largest. largest. The it's large, the largest It's the one. largest. And the oldest, I think, in Florida. So it, it was amazing. First of all, it was humongous. I don't know. I think they had like 17 dining rooms or something. But I have to say, with such history and such culture, I don't know about you, but when I walked in and she walked us around, I, it's almost like I felt like it was family. The way she just sat down and she was so... I don't know. It, they they Inviting. just... Inviting. Yeah. It was, they invite it was... you to their table. Another thing, too, is 
even down to the detail of the restaurant, like how it's decorated, they'll get these like hand painted tiles imported from Spain. Oh yeah. And yeah, like the 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 chandeliers, the light fixtures down to the wood, like when I say they immerse themselves completely. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're thinking about every fine detail down to the dinerware, down to, you know, the floor, the wall, the art on the walls. The paintings. It's almost like an art gallery in and of itself. Yeah, I would say it's it's an incredibly immersive experience. This is one of my most favorite rooms. This is the king's room. I was just going to say the king and queen room. So this was built the same time as the patio. Um, the original intentions were to actually make it a small casino. They were talking about legalizing gambling in Tampa. So they thought that was going to be a great opportunity to make some money off of that. Well, it never got legalized, and so now it's just one of our many beautiful dining rooms. Andrea Gonsmart-Williams is the fifth-generation owner and operator of the Columbia Restaurant Group. Andrea, who has worked in the restaurant since she was 10 years old, reflects on the details in each room, providing us with insight into the Columbia's past and present. So the paintings on the wall. Tampa celebrates something called Gasparilla. It's kind of like our version of Mardi Gras, and it only lasts one day. Um, the Ye Mystic crew of Gasparilla has a king and a queen, their crew. And so then my grandfather wanted to be part of a crew. And so him and a few other gentlemen created the Saint Yago, crew of St. Iago, which was for primarily Hispanic men. So my grandfather was a founding father, and that's his painting there. Uh, my father was a king. My father's to the left. Then to the right is my uncle with his daughter. So the men were the members of the club. Then the daughters would debutante, and then they could opt to be to run for queen. That's you. That's me. Yeah, that's you. That's me. Then that's my sister to the left. And so originally we used to have all the paintings in here. Well, it, there was just too many. And so the people that now hang in here are either family members or they were founding fathers of the crew. The ceiling is amazing. Isn't it neat? It's I love gorgeous. it. The beams are all painted. You have these faces mm -hmm. on the edge and almost looks like tile with different color and these beautiful yeah lighting pieces that come, there's, iron work. There's so pieces. much character to this room and all the tile is hand painted. This was originally from when they built the room. Yeah, I mean, from an outsider coming in here for the first time, not knowing anything, uh, reading about it. You know, yeah. we can all read about stuff on the internet. I can feel the passion and the love and the care in every room. Thank you. I really can. It's, it's truly, Amazing. You can tell this is a labor of love and it's been fostered over generations. Yes. It, and I know that's going to come out in the food, which we didn't even talk about. <laughs> as long as you have that, that's, that's why you're successful. Well, thank you. To get into the origins of the Columbia restaurant, Michelle and I sat down with Andrea to discuss the key to its longevity and continued success. We started by asking Andrea about what makes the Columbia so unique. Well, we are the oldest restaurant in the state of Florida. I believe we're the largest Spanish restaurant in the world. We had the first air-conditioned dining room in the city of Tampa. That's the Don Quixote dining room. We have been claimed actually by Miguel Torres, who is a very famous winemaker in Spain. He believes that we have the largest Spanish wine list in the world as well. Can you 
Just start with explaining the founding of the Columbia. Absolutely. My great-great-grandfather came to Ybor City at the turn of the century with his wife and his four young sons, um, began working at the Florida Brewery. The building still exists right down the street from the restaurant today. The brewery back then used to help people open saloons so they could sell their beer. Makes a lot of sense, right? So he opened the Saloon Columbia in 1905, but actually we later on found out that we opened in 1903. That was, that was good and bad news. When we were celebrating our 100th anniversary, a historian told my father, Richard, I've got good news and I've got bad news. Which one do you want first? And my dad's like, oh, I guess give me the good news. And he said, the good news is you are 100 years old. And my dad's like, oh, okay, thank goodness. He's like, the bad news is, is you missed your anniversary because you actually opened in 1903. Oh, wow. So, but we couldn't change our salad. We couldn't change our name tag. We, so, so we joke that if you order a 1905 salad without tomatoes, that's the 1903 salad. <laughs> that's cool. Um, so back to the story. So he opened the saloon, small corner cafe that, you know, provided the local cigar rollers and many of the other people who came to Ybor City because it wasn't just, you know, the Cubans, the Spaniards, there was Germans, there was Jews. This was a center for a lot of beautiful cultures. Um, served tropical leche, um, Cuban toast, um, the taste of home that was so familiar to many of them. So we are in the original Corner Cafe. That was the Columbia Cafe that was founded in 1905. It's the original bar. It's obviously been completely restored. Once again, we've got the, the um, hand-painted tile. Some of it was new, some of it's old. Actually along that wall is the Don Quixote novel painted on tile. So that Don Quixote theme carries all throughout the restaurant. When you look at our menus and when you look at our logo, it includes a ship. And there's a story behind that because when my grandfather, great, great grandfather was trying to figure out what to name the restaurant, he couldn't, you know, he wanted to show his patronage and he was so grateful to be in the United States that he named it after a United States ship that was called the Columbia that circumvented the world. And so there was a song that said, you know, Columbia, gem of the ocean. And it was about that boat. And actually that it was in line to possibly be one of our, like our national anthem. So he named the restaurant Columbia and that's why it's C-O-L-U-M-B-I-A, not like the country. And we use the tagline, gem of Spanish restaurants. Zelda's son, Casimiro Jr., got involved in the, in the company, helped his father run the restaurant, and that's when they acquired the restaurant next door, which was the La Fonda restaurant. We still call that room the La Fonda, but eventually they decided they were going to keep the Columbia name, um, so the two dining rooms, and then we moved on to the third dining room in the 30s, which was the first air-conditioned dining room in the city of Tampa. Um, that's the Don Quixote room. You'll see many many pictures of Don Quixote and images and, and tiles because... My great-great-grandfather, my great-grandfather, and my father very much were all very big dreamers. They identified with Don Quixote very much because he was just very eccentric. He was a little crazy, which yeah. that's not saying maybe all of them are crazy as well. We're all crazy. <laughs> he would be boring if you didn't have a little crazy in you. So when my grandfather, my great-grandfather decided he was going to open the Don Quixote dining room. It was one of those things, he was taking a huge chance. It was the Great Depression. He told his wife, he's like, you know, if Carmen, he was like, if this doesn't work, I'm gonna have to blow my brains out. Cause he basically used all of the money they had. It was a huge success though, which was great news. It was a place where people came to watch entertainment, to dine and escape the Florida heat as well. So that room was such a huge success that he said, well, let's build something else. So a few years later, we. He built the patio, which is this room here. 
We added the king's room. We added the, this room that we're in, which is the Sancho. We call it the Sancho, which is Sancho Panza, who was Don Quixote's sidekick, the Sibonet. And then in 2000, we broke ground on our new kitchen, which we still call our new kitchen, even though it's now 20 years old. <laughs> <laughs> but when you've been around for 117 years, it's still new. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, and then when we built our new kitchen on the back of the restaurant, it's over, it's about, I think 6,000 square feet. It's our kitchen that freed up the space that the old kitchen was in. And then we added on the Andalusia room and the Familia room. Um, we have a total of 15 dining rooms and we have 1700 seats so we can sit 1700 wow. people all at once. We're a whole city block. You know, Michelle, before we move on, I mean, we have not seen hardly anything. We walked in the door, we walked down the side, we saw the beautiful tile work and then the beautiful doorway. There's just so much to look at and so much to absorb. Can you explain where we're sitting right now? So we are in the Sancho, which is one of our smaller, it's probably our smallest private dining room. It's lined with the pictures from the Don Quixote novel. My grandfather had commissioned an artist way back when to paint every single picture from the novel. So we have a lot of them. <laughs> we actually recently when I say recently, like in the last four years, restored all of the paintings in here and had them cleaned um, and had them reframed. Because after being hung on the walls in days when you used to be able to smoke in restaurants, the nicotine and oh, so yeah. forth. So we had to have them clean and restored. So those line the walls. Um, we got a beautiful picture, a painting of my grandmother, which is also the label of her private label Chardonnay that's called Adelita, which is little Adela. That's what her grandfather called her, also our founder. Um, the tile, the line the wall are all imported from Spain. They're actually a newer addition to the dining room. Um, there used to be no tile in here. We were able to find a vendor who obviously produced this beautiful tile and basically wherever there wasn't tile we started adding it all of the tiles that are throughout the restaurant are all hand painted they are all imported from spain and it really just adds a nice touch to it and then the, the chandelier we've got the murano glass oh, chandelier beautiful. that used to hang in the don quixote is the chandelier there um then it found its home in in our location on harbor island when we had it and then it found its final home here in this dining room you know, you're obviously a very large restaurant. So I was wondering um, how many people you employ. As a company, we have 1,500, approximately 14 to 1,500 employees. Um, that's, of course, throughout our 14 restaurants. So we've got five Columbias, this one being the original one, one in Sarasota, San Augustine, San Key, and Celebration. We have a Columbia Cafe, which is at the Tampa Bay History Center, which is a smaller version of the Columbia. It has many of the same items. It's just a more condensed um, menu. We have Tacha Coconuts, which is in Sarasota, which a lot of people don't know. It's right next door to the Columbia. Um, we have Eulalie in Tampa Heights, Goody Goody in Hyde Park. And then we've got our newest concept, which is Casa Santo Stefano, a Sicilian restaurant. Um, it was named after the city that the majority of the people who came from Sicily came from. A lot of them came from Santo Stefano. Actually, 90% of the people who came from Italy at the turn of the century were from Sicily, which is kind of neat. Mm -hmm. So it's paying homage to them. Is there kind of a theme here where you're just honoring the cultures that were prevalent in Tampa? My dad is like so much, he's so much a visionary. I mean, he just, and like, he's a dreamer, like I said earlier. And when we were embarking on renovating that building that Eulalie was in, it was actually the original water pump station for the city of Tampa. So our water for this restaurant used to come from that building, which is kind of neat. And it also provided the water to the brewery. When we took on the project, we didn't even know what we were going to do with it. My dad had no idea what he was going to name it. He didn't know what the concept was going to be. He just knew he wanted to do something. 
We went through a few different names. He's also a very spiritual person. So he was there on the property one day um, with his German shepherds looking into the river. And he was trying to find inspiration and trying to get confirmation on whether this was a good idea or not. Because a lot of people thought it was a horrible idea. Um, because it was a really old building and it was going to cost a lot of money to renovate. And a manatee poked its head up out of the water, a mama and a baby. And Aww. he said, okay, that's that's my symbol. Okay, I'm on the right path. And that's when he started you know, doing some research and learning about the Tokabaga Indians. And that was the tribe that Eulalie came from. And realizing that they lived along the Hillsborough River shorelines, that where this building was, was where they lived. And that's when he learned about Eulalie. And at that point then, he said, wait, you, Lele, Lele, the little girl my sister and I called my grandmother, Lele, L-E-L-E. And so he felt that was also another sign from his parents that, yes, this is the right thing. And so then that's when you, Lele, was born. Yeah, it seems like you're honoring all the different cultures and and stories that surround the Tampa area. Yeah, we're trying to maintain that culture and and embrace it. I mean, because even with Goody Goody, Goody Goody was originally opened in 1925. It was the original burger place, the burger spot in Tampa, and it closed. And my father desperately wanted to bring it back. So that way the people could experience that hadn't experienced or those that missed it could experience it again. So it was bringing back one of those Tampa icons for people to enjoy. It's all about, we do everything we do is for the community. We're not doing it for ourselves. Yeah. We're doing it so they have a place they can go to get a burger or celebrate their anniversaries, celebrate birthdays. I mean, that's one of the special, most special thing about being in the restaurant business is people choose to celebrate these memorable times. Of course, of course. Um, occasions with us. And it's an honor. It really is. I mean, I love when I walk through the restaurant and I hear, oh, we're celebrating, you know, our 25th anniversary. We had our rehearsal dinner here. <laughs> and it's so neat that they choose to come back. Yeah. Yeah. Food is life. It's, Absolutely. And, and, and every culture has, has that where you gather around the table and, you know, that's where you celebrate. What do you attribute to this long lasting success? I, I know there were some lean years there. Yes. So I'm fifth generation. In the second generation, there was a splitting that, you know, the brother, a couple, the brothers broke off and there was only Casimiro Jr. left. He was a passionate man. He was a hard worker. He was known for falling asleep, standing up um, at the cashier desk because we used to be open 24 hours a day, you know, and then there was a difficult time because Ybor City went through urban renewal. A lot of people moved out. There was nothing, there was no one here. No one wanted to come to Ybor City. As a little girl, I mean, I had my 13th birthday and now one of our most popular dining rooms because we weren't busy. There was just no one coming here. But my grandfather and my grandmother, they were both musicians. My grandfather was a concert violinist. My grandmother was a concert pianist, graduated from Juilliard. Wow. Um, so they were both very accomplished. But my grandfather wasn't a businessman. He had never taken, he didn't go to school for business. He, he was very much a showman. He would play his violin every single night at the restaurant before the flamenco show. He charmed women, kissed their hands. Yeah. So he kind of charmed his way through his, his era. <laughs> yeah. And then when my grandfather passed, though, he left us with a nightmare because he had been using the restaurant kind of as his personal paycheck. The restaurant was in debt. Everyone thought we were going to have to close, that we were going to go bankrupt. We hadn't paid our sales tax in some ungodly amount of time. My father thought he was going to go to jail. He, I mean, basically everyone told him to give up. And Mm. one thing you never do is tell Richard Gonsmart, give up. (laughs) Because then he's like, 
oh, hell no. Mm-hmm. No, I'm not going to give up. We're going to get through it. And we ended up paying off all of our debts to all of our vendors, paid off all of our sales tax. And then he's like, he was bound to determine to make sure that we came back bigger and better than ever, but earn back all the awards that we lost. It's a passion. It's something that I think runs in our veins. And I think it's infectious. So he probably caught it from his grandfather. If you're around him enough, you, you get the passion. So it's a passion thing. But what about you? When, where, where, when did your passion come? Like, you know, walking through here, did you go, okay, this is, no. were you 13 going, this is exactly what I'm going to well, do? Well, I started working when I was 10. Oh, Every okay. summer, every okay. summer I started filing back when there was file folders. Yes, <laughs> I remember. <laughs> um, and I would host this every um, summer. Um, we used to have a cashier booth, so I would cashier on the weekends. But I wasn't quite sure what I wanted to do. My father always said, no pressure. I have a sister who was involved in the company, and now she's not. And that's mm-hmm. okay. He always said, I want you to do what you want to do. And I was like, okay, well, I don't know what I want to do. I mean, when you're 18, you don't know what you want to do. Right. right. I went to college. I was like, well, I'm going to do business management. That seems like a safe one. It will work in a lot of different fields. I was like, I don't know. Maybe I want to be a teacher. Then I decided I didn't like kids enough. <laughs> <laughs> So, um, and then it was like, well, I guess, I mean, I guess I'm so fortunate that I can work for my dad. Um, we had discussed me going out and getting experience with another restaurant concept so I could maybe bring something back. But when I graduated in 2001, we kind of both looked at each other and I didn't want to go anywhere else. He didn't want me to go anywhere else. I felt like I would have been wasting valuable time that I could be learning about my restaurant, mm-hmm. you know, learning more deeply and getting the experience that I, I need and, so it was something I didn't, I, I never planned to do it, but I never didn't plan to not do it. Right. But then once I started doing it, I loved it. I mean, I, I started out as an assistant manager. I worked in many of our locations and I loved it. I loved the interaction with the people. You know, I love food. I love wine. Mm-hmm. Everything that I love is right here, right here in the restaurant business. Yeah. So, you know, and so I worked in the restaurants for quite some time. And then I came over to the corporate office, which really allowed me to work more closely with my father. Because when I was in the restaurants, he wasn't my boss. My general manager was my boss. Mm -hmm. I barely saw my father or my mother for that matter because I worked such long hours. And that's okay because that's the restaurant business. And then it allowed me to spend more time with him and learn with him, um, learn from him, see what he does when it comes to recipe developments and where he gets his ideas and traveling with him. So, you know, and I'm I'm so blessed that I get to work with him every day. I live next door to him too, so I'm kind of a glutton for punishment. Ah, But I'm blessed. Yeah. Sure. I love it. Yeah. Can you explain uh, how you're able to manage such an extensive enterprise? We have an amazing team and we have so many employees that have been with us for 10 plus years. We're actually celebrating them now in June. I think there's 200, over 200 people that have been with us for over 10 years. Some of them 20 years, some of them 30 years. Wow. Um, That doesn't usually happen in the restaurant business. Our longest employee is my Uncle George. He's not really my uncle, but (laughs) I've known him my whole life. So he's Uncle George. And he's been with us almost 60 years. And he's our general manager here today. So... To add to that, though, you know, through the years, we people have come to us, like our COO, Kurt Gaither, he seeked out my father and he said, I want to work for you. I want to be part of this. You know, I'll do whatever I have to do. He's been with us for over 20 years. Um, and my dad's like, well, that's great. You know, I don't have a position for you right now, but if you're willing to be a general manager in one of my restaurants, I'll take it. No problem. So he started in our San Key location. Then he opened our celebration location. And my daughter calls him Uncle Kurt. Like he's <laughs> one of those people that he's Uncle Kurt. Yeah. I mean, my daughter has a million aunts and uncles that aren't really her 
aunts and uncles because they've known her her whole life because they've worked for me my whole life. And he worked for us. And then now today he's our COO and, and, and he is an amazing man. He keeps an eye on all of our Columbia's. He travels. My father used to do all the traveling, but he passed it off. So it's professional management, Mm -hmm. people outside of the family. I mean, of course I'm involved. My cousin's involved. So we're here, but having outside eyes, to manage, you know, then we have another individual, um, a man named Mike head. He's one of our newer people. He helps with goody, goody and you We've got general managers that are in every one of our units. I would like to think we've created this loyalty with them that they don't want to leave us because they truly are family to us. They're not sure. employees. I can't walk through this restaurant without hugging probably 20 people because they're all my family. Yeah. And that's another sign of success, not just the books and the people walking through the door. You've got that loyal staff, people Mm -hmm. seeking you out. Mm -hmm. You know you're doing good, you're doing the right thing. Because you've been around for so long and you're such a big name, you've probably had some famous patrons. Can you explain some of them? Is there any that you were particularly excited that came in? I mean, personally, I got to meet Elmer Lagasse. I did a cooking show with him. Bam! He is (laughs) as nice as he seems to be on TV. Because sometimes you'll meet these TV personalities and they're not as nice as they seem they would be. He was amazing. I know. I've met him. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, literally, I was doing a cooking segment and he goes, what makes you the most nervous about this? And I'll do it for you. I go, I hate pulling the paella pan out of the oven. He goes, (laughs) I'll do it. (laughs) He was just a nice, nice person. Generally, I'm not like starstruck, but like he was such a nice person that then it's so great. I mean, I've met a few other along the way that I was a little disappointed with what they were, how they behaved. I mean, before my time, you know, Marilyn Monroe had been through here with Joe DiMaggio. Wow. Babe Ruth had been thrown out before. We've got a oh um, a steak <laughs> named after him on our on our menu. Wait, wait, wait. You said Babe Ruth was thrown out of here? Yeah, yeah what's the story? Yeah, what's I the- I'm pretty sure it was during Prohibition and he was intoxicated. And so oh. he got thrown out. And then another fun thing, since I'm talking about the Prohibition, we actually have a search warrant during Prohibition that they gave us a two-day lead time. Oh, Because <laughs> they were going to come search our premise. <laughs> to for- hide the hooch, yeah. right? <laughs> <laughs> Which is so crazy, and we are so grateful, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. yeah exactly. You know, a lot of times like, famous people will sneak in the door, and we don't even know that they were here. Yeah. You know, I guess the lead singer for ZZ Top, when they came and performed, he came in and was sitting at the bar, and one of our managers, Garrett, he is a huge, he's a motorcycle guy. He loves it. He was over the moon that he yeah. got to meet him. He came in twice. So, they, yeah, they sneak in, and we don't know a lot of times. Oh, that's cool. And you can hide in this place. There's so many rooms in here. Yes. You can just blend in. You can be chasing someone like all day long trying to find them. I mean, finally you just have to find someone with a walkie-talkie and you're like, can you please locate whoever? <laughs> yeah. But I could see famous people being attracted to coming here because you could have a low-key profile and you can not hide. be bothered. Yep, you, you can know? hide. Yeah, Absolutely. Was there any difficulty with or how were you able to keep it in the family for so long? Like, was there ever any sort of instance where you thought maybe somebody else no. would take up? No. That has never been an option. No. <laughs> never been an option. <laughs> And my father joked, whoever's the one who sells will go straight to hell. <laughs> so no pressure. <laughs> so so your fifth generation, is there already sixth generation in so, here? No, the sixth no, generation, okay. the oldest of the sixth generation are in college. My niece and my nephew. Okay, so they're getting there. Yeah. <laughs> and, but my nephew, originally, he's a sophomore. He's you know, lost in life like most college students. And, you know, he was taking a semester off and he started bar backing. And he was like, I really like this. So he kind of got the hospitality bug. Good. 
which Good. is awesome. And so the next semester, cause he, since he'd taken the semester off, I encourage him, you got to go back. He's like, well, Ani, cause that's what he calls me. He's like, Ani, I don't need a college degree to come work for pop pop. <laughs> and I go, Oh no, it's in the family bylaws. <laughs> you can only work for us if you have a college degree, yeah. which he was very disappointed then at that point, but it got him to go back to school yeah. and he's taking Good. hospitality classes, which is super exciting. But once again, no pressure, you know, for them, you know, my daughter, I bring her as much as I can. She'll be 13 tomorrow. Expose her as much. I get a lot of, I don't want to go to the Columbia. But I'm like, baby, we're going to go to the Columbia. Too bad. I try to expose her and she loves it. And, you know, and she has said, mommy, I want to do what you do. And I'm like, that's, that's awesome. Yeah. I'm trying to encourage her and, and expose her to the, all the positive, great things there are. Because there are a lot of downsides to it. But I can only hope that she'll want to do it. I mean, the thing about the restaurant business, though, is that you can work in any capacity. You don't have to be the general manager. Mm -hmm. You don't... You know, you could work in the business end, you could work in the marketing end, you could work in all different phases of exactly. it, but at least it's under the Columbia name. Exactly. There's lots so of there's opportunities. Lots of choices. Yeah. Absolutely. But you know, I think no matter what though, she would have to spend time, you kind of have to get your wet, feet wet and work in the restaurant to oh, really, sure. truly understand it. Yeah. It's good for you. Yeah. <laughs> Character building. Character building. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. What would you say that this restaurant means to your family and the community? Well, to my family, I mean, this is our world. This is my home away from home. We can't have one conversation without talking about something that's business related. Um, I spend a lot of time with my dad. This, this is our life. This is our livelihood. We love this restaurant. We love our employees. Like they're our family, you know, and my father's always had a major focus and he's embedded it in me that we had to make sure we always give back to the community because it's the community that has supported us for 117 years. So we give back to lots of nonprofits. Every September we do something called the Community Harvest, which we put ballots in all of our restaurants that has a list of nonprofits from their area. There's also an option where you can fill it in. And at no cost to the guest, we give 5% of their total check back to the organization of their choice. Oh, that's so cool. So that's great. And like, so if you don't see your charity that you want to give back to, you can write it in and wow. we will give it back to them. So that's just a small way we can say thank you to them. That's really cool. Yeah, I like that. Okay. Andrea, thank you so much for your time. Absolutely. And this is absolutely a beautiful restaurant. Yeah. So thank you so much. Thank, thank you so you. much for coming to see me. Know of a weird place or have a weird tale to tell? Go to SoFloWeird.com. If you want more strange Florida stories, be sure to visit us on Facebook and Instagram. You can find us by searching at SoFloWeird. And please join our SoFlow Weirdos Facebook group, where we share Florida's dubious tales every week. As a fan of the SoFlow Weird Show, there are many ways you can become involved. Our goal is to create a community of weirdos who celebrate all things strange in the Sunshine State. Here's Michelle to tell you how you can join our team. Are you a super fan and weirdo to the core? Then consider joining our SoFlo Weird Street team. Get free stickers and represent us on social media with hashtag SoFlo Weird Street Team. Just send us a message on social or through our website and you'll be on your way to street team status. Like what you hear on this podcast? Then consider giving us a review and please share with your friends. If you wish to support the SoFlo team in our freakish mission to entertain your insatiable appetite for weird stories, then go to our website, pick up some SoFlo swag, or buy us a coffee, and we'll give you a shout-out on the show. I'm Mia Lorenzo. Thank you for listening to the SoFlo Weird Show. Special thanks goes to our weird announcer, Joe Johnson. 
Michelle McArdle for promotion and production assistance, and Jeff Houck, Vice President of Marketing for the Columbia Restaurant Group. And we'd like to give a special shout out to our VIP weirdo, Kathy Demarinis. We here at SoFlo HQ wish you a weird and wonderful birthday. This has been a Sideshow Charlie production inspired by Florida's master of the weird, Charlie Carlson. Stay weird, everybody. <laughs>